Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together. Christians all around Perth, all around WA, Australia and the world today will meet to remember, to celebrate, to uh, grow in the knowledge of your son's death and resurrection for us. Help us this morning as we do to have our hearts and minds awakened by the scriptures as the spirit uh, fills us with that wonderful knowledge. And would you help uh, me as I preach to say stuff that's only true and us to hear and do stuff that's only of you, that we may give your son all the glory. Amen. Here's the, uh, the reading for today's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. If you've got it on a, on a Bible, that's great. If you've got it on a tablet or phone, it's all right. The Bible's often been on stuff that scrolls, um, so don't worry about that. Tablets have often been when the scriptures have been kept, so... Uh, wherever you can find it, or it's on the screens. Look, here it is, Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. When we first immigrated to Perth in 2009, my wife and I, we had to apply for visas. We had to uh, prove our educational qualifications and language skills. We had to show that we had no criminal record, which felt a little ironic moving to Australia. Uh, but to help us uh, get into this country, we bought this little book, uh, Going to Live in Australia, Your Practical Guide to Living and Working in Oz. And this, this got us into the country. It helped us get through the whole visa process. But we wanted to know not just how do you get in, but how do you get on once we're here? This got us in, but this book, The Lonely Planet Guide to Perth and Western Australia, that got us on in Australia. Uh, it helped us understand the culture, the place, where to go, what to do, how to act, and things like this. It gave us wonderful insights like this to help us understand this place. Uh, social interaction, particularly down the pub, uh, is often a mix of jokes, amusing anecdotes, and personal teasing. Visitors can be shocked to hear best mates trading insults, taking the, a word I won't say in church, or labeling each other, uh, two more words I won't say in church, until they realize it's meant in the nicest possible way. Swear words are often used as close terms of affection, and if you're being teased, welcome to the group. Well, we've been welcomed everywhere we've been in Australia, we've noticed, <laughs> especially at roundabouts and traffic lights. Uh, this helped us get in, this helped us get on, and the book of Ephesians acts a bit like this. This is chapters 1, 2, and 3. This is how to get into the Christian life. God's going to rescue you, love you, save you, bring you to himself. But now in chapters 4, 5, and 6, it's going to tell us, hey, now that you're in, this is how to get on. This is what it's going to be like in this new wonderful world of the Christian faith. That's what we're doing in this little bit here. And uh, the key word is the word walk. It's been our theme for a while now. Chapter 4, verse 1. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. 4, verse 17. Don't walk as the Gentiles used to walk. 4, verse 20. There is a way, a way to walk that we've learned as we heard about Jesus. There is a, a, a way of life to walk in love. 5 verse 2, to, to walk as children of the light, 5 verse 8. That's what it looks like in this new world that we now live in. 
And so while this series is called The Death of Division, because that's what happens when we get in, now we are getting on in the Christian life, there is actually a new division, a creation of a new clear dividing line between light and dark. A division between Team Jesus and not Team Jesus. And so we have to, verse 15, be careful then how we walk. The key word is walk. Uh, some Bibles just call it live. But verse 15, it is the word walk. It's the word, uh, I'm insecure as a pastor, so I have to show off that I did some Greek. It's the word peripatetic, where we get the idea of a peripatetic teacher. You know, a music teacher who does a little bit of clarinet at one school and then a little bit of viola at another school. They are a peripatetic teacher because they, they walk from one school to another. It's that kind of word. Paul is telling the Ephesians 2,000 years ago in Turkey to walk carefully. We were in the UK when COVID hit, uh, and we were released from our pens just once a day uh, to do one kind of exercise. And you had to do this funny kind of little walk. I'm not sure if it happened here in WA right at the start, but this funny walk as you kind of came up to somebody else. You suddenly do this kind of really careful, funny walk as if somehow they're going to tickle you or they smelt real bad. And everyone was doing it to each other. And this is saying, hey, look, have a, have a funny, careful walk so that you no longer, now you're in the light, you don't drift back to the dark. It's a careful walk. And Paul is telling us to do two things because of our new identity. Now that we're in this new wonderful land of the Christian faith, there's two things we can do. And I couldn't get the Aerosmith song out of my head. So the two headings are walk this way and talk this way. Walk this way. No, I won't do that again. So firstly, walk this way, verse 15. Be very careful then how you walk. Walk carefully. And to help us with that, Paul's going to do three, not this, but that. Not this old darky kind of way you used to do when you used to live back in, as it were, in England. Uh, but, but do this new thing now that you're living in the Christian faith, in the light, in, as it were, Australia. Yes, I'm calling England, and Australia is heaven. <laughs> Just as so long as my mum doesn't hear this, it'll be fine. And here are the three. Let's line them all up, and then we'll go through them one by one in the passage. Verse 15, uh, not as unwise, but as wise. Not as foolish, but understanding God's will. And not drunk, but filled by the Spirit. And so the first of those is, uh, don't be unwise, but be wise as you walk this way. No, I'm definitely not going to do it. It doesn't fit. So it's be wise as you live in this new Christian faith. Be wise. Not be clever. Clever is learning. Wise is living. The old uh, saying is true that knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. That's knowledge and wisdom. They're different things. And wisdom in Paul's mind is a gospel wisdom. It was wisdom that meant forgiveness was lavished on us, making known to us God's plan to save. Chapter 1, verse 8. It's the spirit of wisdom, chapter 1, verse 17, that means we can know God more and more. It's the job of the church now, then, that the manifold wisdom of God is known to the whole world. That's what wisdom is in Paul's mind. It's a gospel wisdom. Gospel wisdom that saves us, grows us, and gives us a purpose to tell the world. That's wisdom. So Paul says, hey, walk carefully. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Be gospel wise. 
And now more than ever because of verse 16. Have a look down at verse 16. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Use the time we've got to the full because the time we're in isn't great. Uh, one of the most influential sermons of the last 30 or 40 uh, years uh, around the world was one by John Piper to thousands of university students. It did affect a whole Christian generation and set off organizations and websites now and, and, and movements. And it's uh, one that he is now known as uh, the one where he talks about the, the uh, don't waste your life. And so I'm going to rip totally from him. Here's what he said to thousands of university students. No one really knew who John Piper was until this moment here about 30 years ago. He said this, I'll tell you what a tragedy is. I'll read to you from Reader's Digest what a tragedy is. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler playing softball and collecting shells. That's a tragedy, John Piper said. A nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement, collecting shells as the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account of what you did. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. So then Piper pleaded with the crowd, don't waste your life. Don't be unwise, but gospel-wise, making the most of every opportunity, not just having a shell collection. Because the days are evil. Walk this way. Therefore, verse 17, Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The second of our three, not this, don't be foolish, but this, understand the Lord's will. Don't be foolish. Don't, don't muck around with this Jesus thing. Instead, understand what the Lord's will is. Now, the Lord's will, God's will. This is a uh, potential minefield. I can see why Tim wanted to hand this passage off to an outsider. God's will. We use it sometimes like God has just one perfect little plan for my little life, for every little step is exactly measured out to just give me a, a happy life, and put a smile on my face and just stroke bunny rabbits and be licked by small kittens every day. And if I put just one foot wrong outside of that will by making one mistake that I didn't quite understand what he was planning, well, then those bunnies will die and the cats will start chewing my face. And so Christians can become paralyzed to make any sort of decision, a bit like a spiritual toddler who hasn't grown decision-making muscles. You know, you, you see someone limping in church and you say, hey, what happened, Fred? And he says, oh, I broke my leg and I'm just not sure if it's God's will whether or not I should go to the hospital. So I'm just waiting for a sign of some sort to know if it's God's will for my life. And you just want to say, hey, Fred, here's a sign. Your leg is bent in a right angle forwards. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Go to the hospital. And God's will becomes this sort of magical unknown path, like a, something that Indiana Jones has to try and cross on a great ravine where the steps aren't known yet. But God's will is crystal clear for us. And the book of Ephesians gives it all. Here is God's will for your life. Chapter 1, verse 4, to be holy. To know hope. 1, verse 18. 
To be one with other Christians, 2 verse 15. Uh, This is God's will for the church, that the church, through the church, everyone and everything will know that Jesus is king. Chapter 3 verse 10. God's will is that we know how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. 3 verse 18. His will is that we live a life worthy of his calling, mature in faith. 3 verse 13. It's to speak truth and not steal and not be angry, kind and compassionate to one another, chapter 4. God's will is that we have not any sexual immorality in the church in our lives, chapter 5, verse 3. That's God's will. It's very clear. So walk this way, in the light, in love. Don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is for our lives. It's not about a perfection, but about a direction. It's more of a compass than a step-by-step map that he gives us. Of course, this new direction then leads us to making all sorts of non-foolish, wise, gospel-wise decisions about our lives. Not like toddlers, but like grown-ups who have decision-making maturity, because God loves to give us freedom. So should I take this job that makes me really angry? Well, no, don't be foolish. Know that God's will is that we're not angry. So walk this way instead. Should I put my kids in so many sports teams that we can't make church anymore and so no longer be part of God's will of the church making to the world that Jesus is king? Of course don't put your kid in that many sports teams. Don't be foolish. Too much sport is unwise. It's hard, but it's unwise. Should I hang out late at night with that person I'm attracted to but not married to? Don't be foolish. God's will is clear that we be sexually pure. Understand God's will. Run away. Walk this way instead. Should I grab a fifth beer or unwind every night with a bottle of wine? No, don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. Understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. This is the third of our, not this, but that. Uh, Don't be unwise, but be wise. Don't be foolish, but know God's will. Don't be drunk, but be filled. And this comment on drunkenness seems to come out of nowhere. You wonder whether uh, there's a particular problem in Ephesus, and that as this is read out, everyone just kind of turns to Bill and says, Bill, Uh, it's, it's a bit of a come out of nowhere kind of comment. Drunkenness, though, will stop us understanding God's will. We'll instead be foolish, entering into debauchery, acting like we're in the darkness, when really we're in the light. It'll make us act like we're in England, when really we're in Australia. And the contrast is clear. Drunkenness lacks self-control. Being filled has control. Drunkenness slurs our speech. Being filled means we speak to each other. Verse 19. Drunkenness leads to regrets. Being filled with the gospel leads to thanking God. Verse 20. Walking in the way of Jesus is the direct opposite of drunkenness. I think that's why it's there. Now I know, I know that I can't expect as a newbie to come in and help a church in one sermon not to struggle with alcohol. But here's what I also know. I know that it's been a problem my whole life as well. I know that for me to have three beers is too many. And that to get to three beers, I have to have one beer to start off with. So I find it easier to not have the one beer. 
I also know that our kids watch what we do and they'll become like us. I know that I love my wife better when I haven't had a glass. That emptying the dishwasher and getting the kids' lunches ready is easier when I've had a glass of milk, not a glass of scotch. I know that I whine less on less wine. I know it's hard. And I know that getting help often starts with just telling someone else who you know will take you seriously and pray for you and want to help. I also know the Bible promises that being filled by the Holy Spirit is way better than any alcohol. Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It might be someone needs to chat to Justin and Tim after this and just say, hey, you know that bit that Ed said I can talk to you about? Can we have a chat this week sometime? They'd love to meet with you. Or if there's females in the congregation, I'm sure those guys can point you to them. Now, filled with the Spirit. Another minefield. I can see again why the staff team handed this passage off to an outsider. Hey, look, I think there's three possible things going on here. I'm going to land on the third one. I'm okay with the second one. I think the first one might be wrong. Uh, but I'm going to settle on that third one. And I am around after the service if you'd like to talk to me more about this. And if I've really offended you, I've got a white Toyota Prado in the car park that you can take your frustration out on if I've really hurt you on this. Uh, it could be that when... It could be that being filled with the Spirit... It could be that we get the Spirit as children of God, uh, but we only get a bit of Him, so we need to be filled up. Or that we leak Him, so we must be topped back up again to be refilled. Many have taken this to be a, a second blessing of the Holy Spirit, often visible in special signs or special speech or uh, special losing of control. My problem here is that the Spirit is a person that's not often how you talk about people as only having half of them or needing to be filled up of that person. Also that the Spirit is a gift, a guarantee that you are God's child, that you are loved and saved. So if we leak that guarantee or don't have all of that guarantee, well, being saved isn't guaranteed. And that's why many people I have met who have this kind of idea of being filled with the Spirit often lack security or assurance that God really does love them. Sure, we can grieve the Spirit, chapter 4, verse 30, but we don't leak Him. Now again, I'm happy to work through more of this. And again, it's a white Toyota Prado in the car park. Just snap off a wing mirror, you'll feel much better about yourself. Uh, the second thing... It could be, is that being, and I think I thought this until about a week ago, it could be that being filled with the Spirit is that we have all of Him as promised, that every inch of you is both your body and Spirit dwelt, that you are saved and loved, and you know that because the Spirit lives in you. But that like an urn or a kettle is, is full of water, but when it's turned on, it starts to kind of bubble and go and move and activate, that that, that is what, a Christian is who's full of the Spirit. You know how someone who's real cocky, you say, man, they're full of themselves. But a Christian who's really going for it, being wise and living like Jesus, you say, oh man, they're really full of it. It being the, him being the Spirit, they're full of the Spirit. It certainly fits with the passage and, 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 uh, and sort of agrees with some of the New Testament teaching on the Spirit. But I, I wonder if there's a third, fuller, uh, uh, more uh, clear understanding that I think I'm arrived at yet. Again, I'm around afterwards. If you can spare just one more minute of brain power, here it is. 
Look back at 3.18 to 19. Listen to what this says. Paul prays this. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power to grasp the love of Christ, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Power to be filled with the knowledge of Christ's love. Basically, I want you to be filled with the gospel. And as we know Jesus' love for us, the height, the depth, the wide, the, the, we, we are filled. And who's going to do that for us? The Spirit. We are then built up, chapter 4, verse 13, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, getting the what? The fullness of Christ. So as we know the gospel, we fill up with the gospel. And that fullness looks like everything that we've seen. To be gospel wise, to be godly, holy, different, in the light. How are we going to be full? It takes the knowledge of the Son of God. Knowing Jesus, knowing the gospel. So we need help. That's going to be hard work. Chapter 3 prays that we'd have the power to grasp this gospel. That power to be full of the gospel comes with the Spirit. Full with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Filled by the Spirit. So don't be drunk, denying the gospel, but be wise and full of the knowledge of Christ's love with the Holy Spirit's help. Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the knowledge of the gospel with the Spirit's help. Hey, look, we haven't heard this, but Justin, how about you come up? Come on. Here we go. Here, boy. Now, Justin here used to, he has no idea this is happening, this is great. <laughs> come, come, come. He used to live in the dark, he used to go the way of the, way, the, way of the Gentiles. In, in England, that's right, he used to have a, you know, no accent and uh, be very distinguished and things like that. But now he used to not be a Christian, he used to live in the dark and things like that. Now, Christ has saved him, risen, uh, so, uh, uh, resurrected everything in chapters 1, 2 and 3. This is his new identity, who he is and things like that. The problem is, Justin, now full of the Spirit, the problem is, his body has a memory. His body knows things from over there that one day he will totally forget as he gets a new body. The problem is, Justin still lives inside of Justin. And so Justin is, face that way, he's going to want to walk this way. That's what this passage is. Live in a, in a manner worthy of the light, the love, everything. The problem is, his body is always leaning backwards. So, okay, lean, lean back. That's right, lean on me. I've got you. No, 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 feet still. I've got you. I should have done this with Tim. Um, <laughs> Now, here is the Christian living in the light, in the gospel, with a knowledge and love of Christ. The problem is his memory fades. Not that the spirit leaks, but his memory fades and his body wants to keep living there in Adam. Is you know, other parts of the Bible. And so he's, I'm the spirit though. I want him to go this way. Come on, mate, let's go this way. I've got you. And I've got the word, the scriptures as he opens them and I make them come alive in Christ. So all he needs to do is just, to use Galatians language, keep in step to walk. So you just lift your legs, Justin. I'll do all the hard work. No, you have to keep leaning back. Here we go. So your, your flesh is now, ju just walk. Just lift your legs. Now I'm doing all the work as the spirit. He is just lifting his legs. And I'm driving him towards godliness as he just walks. Now the... Yeah, well done, mate. Yeah, thanks for that. Thank you. So he doesn't do the work. God does the work. He just needs to keep in step to walk. God's work, filled with the knowledge of the love of Christ, 
with the Holy Spirit, filling him with that knowledge all the time. Now, how can we help Justin and each other to not be drunk, to not be unwise, to not be foolish, but full of the gospel by the Spirit? How can we help? Well, we can, as he tries to walk this way, we can talk this way. Talk this way. We, we've loved moving to Australia. It really has been terrific. And while there's things about England we do miss, it's a place to be. But imagine I start to doubt that. Imagine I start acting like a whinging palm and walk around with an umbrella up all the time. And How would you help me be full of love for Australia again? Would you remind me how annoying England is? Yeah, you could do that. Would you show me my Australian passport and say, mate, your identity now is over there? Ah, you could do that as well. That's what the rest of Ephesians has done. But you could also fill my heart with joy through song. You might speak to me the great Aussie anthems and say to me, hey, mate, Australians all let us rejoice, for we are one and free. You might try and get my mind and actions into this new world by saying, hey, mate, we've got girt by sea here. There's golden soil and wealth for toil. And while I've never once heard you use the word girt, except for in that song, it will begin to teach me again of the greatness of this new land I'm living in. To stay in, in the sunshine, as it were. The greatness of this decision that uh, we now live here. And so I'll want to stay here and waltz with Matilda, whoever she is. And so similarly for Justin... As Justin, who's inside of Justin, as Justin the flesh, the old guy, wants to keep going back, back to his old way of life, but the Spirit is, is filling him with the knowledge of Jesus so that he can stay in the light and keep in step with the Spirit, what can we do? We can show him his new identity, his Christian passport, as it were. No, mate, you're in Christ now. We can tell him of all the downside of living over here. That's what chapter 4 and 5 have done. But we can also, verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. That's how we get topped up with the gospel. Boy, I've loved... Your band's pretty good, by the way. I go to a fair amount of churches. Not bad. Not shoddy, Sam. All right? Good job. It's a good team. And as that happens, it's not the Spirit filling us that the Spirit just waits for the music to start and He sometimes somehow comes through the amplifiers. But that as I get reminded of the gospel from all of you, as I get filled up with that gospel knowledge, I know it's the Spirit doing that work. Because the band's good, but they're not that good to transform me to be more like Christ. Now that's the knowledge of the gospel. And so Justin has two helps. He's got the Spirit in here and us in his ear. The Spirit in here and us in his ear. We talk this way. So we sing the Psalms like Psalm 42 as the deer pants for the water. So my soul longs after you. Remember that one? And so we say to him the great spiritual songs of Colossians 1.15, that Christ is all in all. Or Philippians 2, that Christ humbled himself even to death on a cross. We talk this way, and so our songs do fill our hearts with music. There is a vertical component to it that my heart is moved to God, but there is also and mainly a horizontal component too. Yes, it's me to God, but it's also me to you and you to me. So as Justin comes to church, my aim is to encourage him to be wise, to walk this way, 
which means church isn't about me and my preferences, my desires, my tastes, but him and you. So I sing with my eyes open to see who I'm singing to so I can say, hey, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. So our calendar starts each week by circling Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock and saying, we have to make it to church. Justin needs me to say and sing gospel truths to him. And I need to be there too, so he can say it back to me as well. Always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why being a Christian is so much easier at 11.30 on a Sunday than it was at 9.30 on a Sunday. Because we've reminded each other of the gospel truths. We've filled the gospel up in our lives and the Spirit has helped us out. He needs me. I need him. And so I dare not miss church. So talk this way. Another last way we can keep encouraging Justin to keep going and each of us is living gospel wisely, full of the gospel by the Spirit's power as we sing, but also to help Justin and to help each other keep playing out the gospel in his many relationships. So he is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the next few weeks in Ephesians, you will spell out uh, for each other what this means, to live in gentle submission and sacrificial leadership in the many areas that we live, so that we display to ourselves and to the world what the word of truth is. And so we, uh, we're going to say to Justin, hey, look, mate, uh, submit to others out of reverence for Christ. Uh, remember Jesus' sacrifice as you sacrifice for your wife, Justin. Uh, remember that God is a loving father, so be a loving father to your kids. God is a boss who you are to do what he says, so be a, a, submit to Tony when he's back from long service leave. And submit to the elders as your boss. We are all in these various loving and being loved relationships that are little mini theaters of the gospel that will help us live wisely and be filled with the Spirit's health. That will help us be very careful in how we live, careful how we walk. Hey, it's been great to be with you here this morning. In a way, I'm sorry that I don't get to stay and stay with Gosnells in the weeks to come to see how this passage plays out in all your lives. But I'm going to take this through the church I'm part of and try and see more gospel wisdom, more gospel walking, more gospel words throughout our people. And boy, I'm excited to see the difference that it will make to you to us, to our world. I'll pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen.